This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. We have those who watch every time we're on there. We appreciate your tuning in as well. Now, today on our telecast, we want to discuss a question that is found in the Bible. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? I hope that you'll stay tuned as we endeavor to answer that question today. Now, we continue today to offer the free Bible correspondence course that we've been offering on getting to know your Bible now for a long, long time. We have thousands of people that are studying this Bible course. We have people in the United States. As a matter of fact, all 50 states, we have students. And we have students in many foreign countries that are studying this Bible course, and we want you to have it. Now, I know someone may be thinking now, how much does it cost? It costs absolutely nothing. It is free. Someone says, but Brother Lambert, people don't offer things free on television. We do. We're offering this free. If you want a CD of one of the lessons that you hear on this telecast, it's free. We don't charge for it. You, someone says, well, how are you able to do that? We have Christians who give on the Lord's Day sacrificially to make it possible for us to put this on the air and offer you the free course and the free CDs. As a matter of fact, if you even want a DVD of one of the lessons, that's free as well. We're not going to be asking for any money. We want you to have this free Bible correspondence course. And we're going to pause for just a moment so that you can learn how to, to receive the course and so that you can know more about it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to read verse 25 and verse 26. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all of the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. To give you the background of these passages, Moses had been on Mount Sinai to receive the law, to receive the Ten Commandments. Now while Moses was gone, the, the people began to think that Moses had forsaken them. And they lapsed into sin. 
They asked Aaron, Moses' brother, to make them a golden calf. And when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, and he saw what they had done, it angered him. Oh, Aaron started making excuse for uh, what the people did. And for example, in verse 22, Aaron said, you know the people, that they're, they're, they're set on evil. And they said, make us gods that go before us. As for their, the man Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And so he's blaming it on the people. Blaming his sin on the people. You know, if Aaron's excuses were acceptable, there would not be a single person who would ever be responsible for his conduct. He could blame it on someone else. Thieves could blame the store owner for their thievery. A murderer could blame the gun for his murder. But you see, we can't blame our sins on other people. Such sin as, as was prevalent here in Exodus chapter 32 deserve punishment. Notice down in the 31st verse that Moses returned to the Lord and he said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin. And it was a great sin. And have made them for themselves a God of gold. A God of gold. If you will, forgive their sin. But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Moses asked for, asked God Will you, Lord, please forgive the people of what they have done? And he said, if you won't forgive them, then please, Lord, blot me out of your book that you've written. I, I want to pay the, the penalty for their sin, Lord. But you see, Moses asked them a decisive question. Whoever's on the Lord's side... Let him come to me. Now there are a lot of important questions that are in the Bible. But, but I don't know of a more important question than the one suggested right here. Who is on the Lord's side? It was an important question when the Lord asked, Where art thou? Genesis 3.9. Where are you? Or when the Lord asked, or when it was asked in Genesis 4 and 9, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, there's the question asked in Job 14 and 14, if a man dies, will he live again? There's the question asked in Hebrews 2 and 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There's the question Jesus asked, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But I don't know a more important question than the one, who is on the Lord's side? Friends, there comes a time that a person has to decide. 
They have to decide if, uh, if whose side they shall be on. Am I going to be on the Lord's side? There came a time for Joshua. He had to make a decision. As a matter of fact, he was calling on the people to make a decision. He said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. You can choose who you will serve. And then he mentions the, the options they had. Whether the gods which were on the other side of the flood had been the gods of Egypt. Or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That would have been in Canaan. But he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, there comes a time that all of us have to make a decision. Elijah called on the people in 1 Kings chapter 18 and in verse number 21 to make a decision. And the, the question he asked, or the statement he made was, if the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. And he stated, how long halt ye between two opinions? And so you have two options here. You have God, the true God. You have a false God. And he called on the people to make a decision. The, the rich young ruler had to make a choice, had to make a decision. Matthew chapter 19, we're told about a young man who came running to Jesus and he posed the question to Jesus, Good Master, what shall I do that I might uh, in, inherit or have eternal life? And finally Jesus said to him, You need to keep the commandments. And the young man said, Which? And Jesus told him. And he said, I've done all of that from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said to him, Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was called on to choose between Jesus and his possessions. And he chose his possessions. You see, the, he was bowing down to the God of gold a, instead of the God of heaven. He surrendered, he bowed his knee, but he never bowed his heart. He just had to make a choice and he made the wrong decision. Pilate had to make that decision. He asked the question in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22, What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? There comes a time every one of us has to make a decision like that. What are we going to do with Jesus? Felix had to make that choice. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, he said, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. I've heard people read that verse like this, when I have a more convenient season. Well, the word more is not in the text. There wasn't a more convenient season than the one he had. He was called on to make a choice, to make a decision, but he said no. He didn't make a decision for Christ. In my Acts 26 and in verse 28, there's, there's the case of Agrippa who had to make a decision. He said, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Well, almost is not good enough. He, 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 but when he said no to Christ, he made a decision. So there comes a time when a person must decide what they're going to do with Jesus. 
And there is a time for each one of us to do that. Who is on the Lord's side? Well, what does it mean to be on the Lord's side? I think one of the things that obviously is meant is that we have a trusting faith in Him. How could you be on the Lord's side and not have a trusting faith in the Lord Himself? Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We have to diligently seek Him to be on His side. Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. We've got to trust in the Lord. We've got to trust in the Lord enough that, that uh, we, know, we acknowledge Him, and through His Word, He directs the way that we go in life. Yes, we have to have a trusting faith to be on the Lord's side. Jeremiah 7 and verse 17 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. You've got to trust Him. We need to be like Abraham, of whom we read in Romans the fourth chapter, verses 20 and 21, where it is said that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory unto God, for he was persuaded that what he had promised was able to also to perform. So we have to have that trusting faith in God to be on the Lord's side. But we have to walk in agreement with him to be on his side. Amos 3 and 3 asks, can two walk together except they be agreed? If two people are going to walk together, there are certain points of agreement that, uh, uh, that they have to have between the two of them. First of all, they have to decide when they're going to walk what day they will walk. Secondly, they'll have to decide what time they're going to start walking. Third, they'll have to decide what direction they're going to walk. Fourth, they're going to have to decide how long they're going to walk. Fifth, they're going to have to decide the speed that they're going to walk. Now, unless they can agree on those very simple, basic things, there's absolutely no way that they can walk together. And if we're walk, going to walk in agreement with God, We've got to not tell God what we're going to do, but we must allow God to tell us what to do through His Word. And it is only through our obedience to His Word that we can be walking in agreement with Him. Genesis 5, 24 talks about Enoch and that he walked with God. You cannot be on the Lord's side unless you have trusting faith in Him, unless you walk in agreement with Him. Nor can you be on the Lord's side without obeying Him. In Exodus chapter 20 and 3, one of the Ten Commandments was this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now go back to the text we read in Exodus 32. Moses is on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. And this, this commandment is one of those ten. And while he's gone, the people have Aaron to make a golden calf. While Moses is on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, they're down at the foot of the mountain breaking one of them. Breaking the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods 
before me. They broke it. The very time they were receiving it. And so you can't be on the Lord's side unless you're willing to obey the Lord. Now who is it that is on the Lord's side? Can we know who is on the Lord's side? Well, not all who think they are are on the Lord's side. For Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 7, 21. Luke 6, 46, Jesus asked, Why call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do the things that I say. Both of those passages of Scripture are teaching the same thing. We can call Him Lord, Lord, but if we don't do what He tells us to do, we're not on His side. You see, we can be deceived. We, we can be deceived in thinking that we are indeed on the Lord's side. Jeremiah chapter 17 and 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Man's heart can deceive him. He can be deceived into thinking he is on the Lord's side. Listen to Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 10, uh, 2 beginning in verse 10. And with all unrighteousness, all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. When people do not see, receive the truth out of a love for the truth, they're not going to be saved. But in verse 11, And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Instead of believing the truth, they would believe a lie. And the end result, verse 12, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So when people are deceived, they refuse to believe the truth, then they're not on the Lord's side. Those who do not believe that God even exists certainly couldn't be on His side. How could you be on the side of someone that you don't even think exists? David said, the fool has said in his heart, God doesn't exist, Psalms 14 and 1. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. But in verse 21 of that same chapter, John chapter 8, He said that where I go, you cannot come. In Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. There's no way that a person could deny the existence of God and be on the Lord's side. First of all, how could you hope to be on the side of someone that you don't even believe it exists? But you can't be on the Lord's side without being a believer in Him. You know, there's a, that's, a, that, that's a atheism, and of course there's a practical atheism. There are some who say that they believe in God. Oh, if you were to ask them, they, they would tell you loud and long. Oh, yes, Brother Lambert, I believe in God. But then they live their lives as though God doesn't exist. You say, well, what do you mean they live as though God doesn't exist? Let me call your attention to some passage over in the book of James. James chapter 4, beginning in verse number 13. And there the Bible says that he's talking about the brevity of life. 
And he's talking about how people was planned to do certain things and they exclude God from their planning. Listen to verse 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow. Today or tomorrow we will go into a certain city and continue there a year and buy and sell and we will make a profit or get gain. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. Listen to it now. And then vanishes away. That's what your life is. Your life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. So now he says, and I want you to say, this is what we say. Some people will say, today or tomorrow, this is our plan to go to a certain city. We're going to live there in that city for a year. And we're going to buy and we're going to sell. We're going to make a profit. And James says, you don't know that you'll be able to do that. You, you don't know that your life is just like a puff of smoke. And, and this is what you ought to do. He said, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But he said, now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. You see, he's talking about people who say they believe in God, but then they live their lives as though God doesn't exist. They don't take God into account in the planning they make for their lives. Who is it that's on the Lord's side? Those who believe in the Lord. I believe in God. Let me tell you why I believe in Him. I believe in God because of what I can see. All the things I can see around me. When I go out at night and I look up toward the heavens and I see all of the stars, and there isn't anything as beautiful as a full moon. You look at those things and you just ask yourself, how did those get up there? And then in the, in the morning when you get up before the dawn, and then you begin to watch the sun as it comes up. There isn't anything as beautiful as a sunrise. And then in the evening, as the sun begins to sink in the west, there isn't anything any more gorgeous than all those colors that are in the sky when the sun begins to set. I, I believe in God because of what I observe above me. I believe in God, but what I see beneath me, that is around on the earth, the plant life, all of the other things that God has made for our existence on the earth. You see, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalms 24 and 1. Psalms 19 and 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. I believe in God because of what I see. I believe in God because of answered prayer. Answered prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 7, Ask and you shall receive. And I believe that from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That when you ask, you will receive.
1 John 5 and 14 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I believe it. And I believe in God, of course, because that's what the Bible says. There's just one God, Ephesians 4, verse 6. Who's on the Lord's side? Not those that are relying on their morality to save them. Morality might keep you out of the local jail, but it's going to take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver our souls from an eternal hell. Titus 3 and 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Why did God devise a, a plan of salvation if morality would save us? I had a man to say, tell me one day he thought he could be saved without the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.22 says, Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. This man is trying to devise a plan of salvation other than God's plan of salvation. No sin will enter heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 27. But who is it that's on the Lord's side? Not those who just live a good moral life nor those in man-made organizations. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 13, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted will be rooted up. I know a plant that Jesus planted. He said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Who is on the Lord's side? Not those who are nominal members of the church of Christ. Those that are money mad. Those that have been influenced by the world. Those that have become lukewarm and indifferent. A teacher wrote the word apathy on the chalkboard and she asked one boy to give a definition. He said, I don't know and I don't care. And there's not a better definition than that. There are those in the kingdom that don't know and they don't care. They're idle. Someone has said there are different kinds of church members, those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, those that don't know what's happening, and those who don't care what's happening. Well, those who are nominal members of the church are not on the Lord's side. The question is, are you on the Lord's side? You can be. You cannot be neutral. Jesus said either you're for me or you're against me. During World War II, there was a sign in a factory that, that with these words on it, when you lay out, you're working for Hitler. You're either for the country or against. Are you on the Lord's side today? I want to thank you for watching today and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.